Long History's Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, the 39th Prime Minister, Ramsay MacDonald, the highs and the lows of political life. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week and our random number generator has landed on number 39 which is Ramsay MacDonald. And oof, this is a hard one to summarise. A career of great highs and lows, an impressive but hated man. The high points are very high, but this is a man who has still not been forgiven by some. He was Prime Minister in 1924 and from 1929 to 1935. So what was this great act of betrayal? We'll find out in this episode. Here on Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, we literally take a Prime Minister at random and then ask a series of questions such as how did they get into office, what did they do in office and why did they leave office. Along the way we'll take a look at the historical background and try to create a little bit of a picture of the times. If you like the sound of that, please do follow Long History, subscribe if you can and don't forget we've already got lots of episodes of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week available so please explore either your podcast provider or our website longhistory.net where all our episodes are neatly wrapped together. So here we go with the Scottish Prime Minister between the wars who had some very difficult decisions to make. This is Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 39, Ramsay MacDonald. The highs and the lows of political life. So what are you here for? For the history or for the politics? Of course both are combined in these episodes of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, but Ramsay MacDonald is a particularly interesting case if it's politics you're interested in, and particularly the power play and the balance between holding principles and compromising those principles due to practicality, as you may perceive it. Ramsay MacDonald had one of the most significant achievements possible in British politics, but had quite a remarkable fall from those heights, with words like betrayal, turncoat and traitor being used against this man. Yikes. Ramsay MacDonald was Prime Minister twice. They were both very significant and consequential terms in office, but for quite different and very political reasons. The first time, although MacDonald was only Prime Minister for nine months, he got the new Labour Party into power for the very first time, the party at that moment clambering its way to become one of the top two parties in the country, pushing the wheezing Liberal Party, one of the many victims of the First World War, into a definitive third place. And then, five years later, he became Prime Minister again, after a general election held in May 1929. The Labour Party, for the first time, became the biggest party in Parliament, with 287 seats, beating the Conservative Party's 260 seats. The Liberals, as a political force, were over. However, Labour didn't have enough seats for an overall majority, and the Wall Street crash of November that year, and the subsequent economic emergency, would test Macdonald's loyalties, leading to this reputation from which he never quite recovered, Now we'll look at that fairly disastrous series of events in this episode. What was Ramsay MacDonald like? Ramsay MacDonald seems to have been a passionate Scot, one of seven men born in Scotland to become Prime Minister. He was a man fully capable of making impassioned speeches, 
but in practice he held a moderate line. He emphasised practicality and making things work over any kind of esoteric form of governance. He's been described as, to paraphrase, a progressive who preferred debate to rebellion. This principled but practical position is ultimately what led to his rather poisoned reputation. That fence that he was trying to sit on proved not to be quite as comfortable as he thought. He married Margaret Gladstone in 1896 and had a total of six children with her. Unfortunately, one of those children died young, then his wife also died in 1911, leaving MacDonald in deep mourning, with a fervent solitude that seemed to stay with him for the rest of his life. As the years advanced, however, he had a certain raffish separateness, and as a working-class Scot moving in London's wealthier circles, he would inevitably catch the eye of a distinguished lady or two. As we've already mentioned, harsh words have been used to describe MacDonald, and particularly from the point of view of the Labour Party. They are the ones who saw him as a traitor, who betrayed his roots and his politics, being a little too impressed by these people around him in London. Another look at his actions, however, reveals a man grappling with horrendously complex issues and making choices that offended many, ultimately not really for good reason, or so it seems. What was the historical background? The 1920s and the 1930s are overwhelmed by the two world wars that bookended these decades. But this wasn't only a time of world wars, however, with the Russian Revolution beginning in 1917 and the Spanish Civil War of 1939 also bookending this era. The world was polarising and Ramsay MacDonald was right at the centre of it, a working-class Scot who brought socialism to the UK for the first time, something that was never going to be looked on lightly by the establishment. One easily overlooked detail that reflects the big changes of the time is that electricity began to become widespread during those years. The United States was consolidating its world dominance during this era, not just politically, but also culturally and financially. Its stock market crash in 1929 shook the world, not least the UK. What was happening in the UK more specifically? Well, even in the 1920s, unemployment had been high. In the UK in 1926, there was a famous general strike. So when that stock market crash happened in 1929, a bad situation worsened significantly. Unemployment increased from 10.4% in 1929 to 22.1% in 1931 leading to a unique political situation that was a key part of why MacDonald was Prime Minister. In 1931, one act of the new national government headed by MacDonald was to devalue the pound, but unemployment proved stubbornly high, leading to perhaps its apotheosis. Just after MacDonald left office, the Jarrow March in 1936, which was a march from the northeast of England to London to protest against the closure of Jarrow's main employer, leaving many without work. Who could vote at the time? Ramsay MacDonald's premierships were a key result of voting reform. I'm not sure how famous the term Whig history is, but it emerged in 1931. It was defined by a historian with a great name, Herbert Butterfield, and as always with such terms, strict definitions are hard to pin down, 
but it seems to mean that rather than just seeing history as a list of events, Whig history sees it as a narrative, and more specifically a narrative of progress. So this event led to that development, which caused this, etc, etc. And it is interesting that this term was popularised around the time of Ramsay MacDonald. Until 1924, when MacDonald became Prime Minister for the first time, the development of democracy in the UK had been a painfully slow process. We'd had a series of aristocratic Prime Ministers until the Great Reform Act of 1832, when a few more men were given the vote, and they all promptly voted for more aristocratic Prime Ministers. Despite that, however, the change was fundamental, and with the 1867 Reform Act, working class men began to vote. And this meant that elections really began to count, and political parties had to take the general public into account if they wanted to get into government. So it's no coincidence that the Liberal Party emerged when the working class began to get the vote in 1867. The big change in the early 20th century, of course, is that women got the vote. And for the first time, the vote was given to all working men above a certain age. And with this, the Liberal Party became a thing of the past and was overtaken by a party that would more directly represent ordinary people. This was the Labour Party, and Ramsay MacDonald was the man that led that party into power for the first time. So you can see this was a long, long path to power. And MacDonald was the one who not only got this party into government, but he turned the Labour Party into one of the country's de facto two main political parties. He, and others of course, made Labour a significant electoral force. So if you don't think that voting has any effect on the government, here you've got an example of how giving more people the vote over the years has fundamentally changed the UK and its politics. So back to that term Whig history, and we can see all this in terms of progress. Things, at least in this version of history, got better. And it is interesting that this term Whig history emerged at this moment in time, because this, perhaps, was the peak of that version of progress. There's not really many more people you can give the vote to anymore. And just before we celebrate too much about things always getting better, less than a decade after this term was popularised, the world would be plunged into another world war, reminding us that for every hard fought for, one or two little baby steps ahead, there can be many steps backward. What was Ramsay MacDonald's background? It is, unfortunately, quite a surprise that of the 23 Prime Ministers so far covered by Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, Ramsay MacDonald is the first one we've covered who can definitively be said to be working class. You don't need to question if class is important in the UK. The statistics speak for themselves. The only other Prime Minister we've looked at whose little toe grazed the working class was George Canning, who was Prime Minister for four months, about a century before Ramsay MacDonald. His working class connection was that his mother did have to work, but fortunately he had a rich uncle who sent him to the most prestigious schools in the country. No such luck for Ramsay MacDonald, however, who perhaps managed to slip through the net because he could circumvent the English class system by being Scottish, showing, if nothing else, why the UK needs Scotland. He was born in 1866 in the northeast of Scotland in a town called Lossiemouth or perhaps Lossiemouth and was brought up by his mother and grandmother. He went to local schools and then moved to Bristol in 1885 to take up a job as a clergyman's assistant. 
It was in Bristol where he joined his first socialist organisation, but he soon moved to London, where he moved between jobs, with some spells being unemployed. He eventually got a job as a private secretary for a politician, Thomas Luff, which apparently significantly opened up many opportunities for him. Now, there were many early iterations of the Labour Party with various names, and Macdonald became a member of one of those iterations, the Labour Electoral Association, before he joined the Independent Labour Party. This was formed by another famous name in the history of the Labour Party, Keir Hardy. As early as 1895, he tried to stand for election, but he lost that one. But it was during this time that Macdonald learned the importance of working with the Liberal Party for the best electoral outcomes. Macdonald would finally become an MP in 1906, thanks in part to a pact between those two parties, the Labour Party and the Liberals, who agreed not to compete against each other for seats. This meant that 1906 was the first year when the Labour Party surged ahead as a significant electoral force. How did Ramsay Macdonald become Prime Minister? Although there was no leader of the Labour Party as such at that time, Macdonald became chairman in 1911, so he was already at the head of the party in some way, but with the First World War, Macdonald's views initially proved very unpopular. He was against the war, arguing against the tide that the UK should stay neutral. And after the initial wave of patriotism had subsided, although of course being anti-war is always a controversial stance, it did work a little in his favour, because it meant he was not associated with the men who sent troops to the slaughter. He lost his seat nevertheless in the 1918 general election, and his anti-war stance would come to haunt him again when he failed to win a by-election in 1921. However, in 1922, he became a Member of Parliament once again, and also at this time became the leader of the Labour Party. This slow journey to make the Labour Party an electoral force reached its peak when, in the December 1923 general election, the Labour Party overtook the Liberal Party to become the second biggest party in Parliament. Although the Conservatives won that election, they didn't have an overall majority, and Labour and the Liberals, the two minority parties, came together to form the government in early 1924. However, it seems that having two minority parties create the government wasn't a very satisfactory situation, and the resulting government was quite weak, and as a result lasted for only nine months, when another general election was held. Now, Labour lost that election, yes, and that meant that Ramsay MacDonald was no longer Prime Minister, but sometimes a loss is a victory of sorts, because the Labour Party held many of the seats that they'd gained and their power base as the second party held steady and would only grow. What were Macdonald's biggest achievements as Prime Minister? Well, we've just described it. Macdonald headed the party at the moment when it became an electoral force. This was his biggest electoral achievement, and he would remain the party leader, even though he was in opposition after the 1924 general election. We'll look further at his achievements in the final main section of this episode. So how did Ramsay MacDonald win his second time in office? There was another election in May 1929 in which Labour gained its largest number of seats yet and became the biggest party in Parliament for the first time ever. However, as with the previous election, no party had an overall majority, meaning that MacDonald relied on Liberal Party support to get anything done. This was also the last election for many years when the Liberal Party would have any significant result. Although the Labour Party was the biggest party, 
it was another rather weak government, and unfortunately the Wall Street crash of November that year prompted a depression that led to increasing problems with unemployment, and an economic situation that would only get worse over the next few months and years. A report 18 months later in July 1931 suggested many cuts in spending, particularly in unemployment benefits. This was deemed an economic emergency, and so a drastic solution was needed. However, looking back, this solution seemed to make very few people happy. Some members of the Labour cabinet resigned rather than implement these drastic cuts, and MacDonald felt impelled to put forward his own resignation. Apparently he was persuaded by the King at the time to stay in his job as Prime Minister. But he would have to make a compromise in order to do this, however, and for many it was considered a step too far. And this is the move that defined MacDonald's poor reputation, particularly within the Labour Party. A so-called national government was formed. Now in times of crisis, such governments are formed from all parties. So rather than having the backing of the Labour Party, his own party, MacDonald therefore became Prime Minister with the backing of this national government made up of all these parties. Many Labour Party members were completely against this on principle, and this only worsened when, during another general election in 1931, this national government won 554 seats, a huge majority. However, it was headed by MacDonald, but was in fact heavily dominated by his former enemies, the Conservatives, who had 470 seats of that 554. By this point, MacDonald had been expelled from the Labour Party, and had to stand as part of his own grouping called National Labour. So that grouping with 13 seats entered government. MacDonald's old Labour Party with 52 seats was now the opposition. As you can imagine, it was a poisonous situation. And these were times when the world was already polarising. Whose side were you on? MacDonald was accused of betrayal and selling out, not least because the resulting government had the biggest mandate in history. I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that such messy situations have led to civil wars in other countries. How did Ramsay MacDonald stop being Prime Minister? So this controversial national government, headed by Ramsay MacDonald but dominated by the Conservatives, remained in power for four years, from 1931 to 1935. It had been given its huge mandate because people wanted the economic situation to be solved. However, this government didn't gain a good reputation, so MacDonald's misstep doesn't even appear to have been a sacrifice worth making. The economic decisions made by the resulting government were severe, but it's hard to see where they made things better, and of course that government also didn't stop Hitler's rise. Things were bad and they were just going to get worse. During this time, MacDonald's health worsened and his leadership weakened not least as he was running a government dominated by a party that until recently had been his political enemies. His break from the Labour Party left him bitter and full of regret. It cannot be forgotten in the meantime how much of an outsider MacDonald was in London, working with the Conservatives, abandoned by Labour, a working class man and a socialist, at a time when politics was becoming increasingly polarised. This left him open to attacks. Due to his fading health, he eventually stood down as Prime Minister in 1935 to be succeeded by the Conservative Party leader Stanley Baldwin. And even he seemed to see how terrible the situation was, only reluctantly returning to the role of Prime Minister for the third time. Perhaps this is an overstatement, but there seemed to be a sense that this generation was done. 
fresh blood was needed. McDonald's health did not improve when he left office and he actually died on a ship only two years later, sailing between England and Chile. Why should we remember Ramsay MacDonald? If we can't say that there was something of a Greek tragedy here or perhaps a Shakespearean tragedy, we can at least say perhaps that there's something operatic about Ramsay MacDonald, who reached over to the other side of the table for the sake, apparently, of his country, and as a result, but there didn't seem to be many benefits for the country from this act, and MacDonald was treated like a traitor. Now, of course, MacDonald didn't alone create the Labour Party, but he is the one who made it into a serious contender. He put a practical Labour Party into power. The term socialist seems to be a little scary in the United States, and it even seems to be used as an insult. Now, this isn't the case in the UK, however, and it's probably because of men like Ramsay MacDonald. His version of socialism was digestible, less scary, more practical and suitable, both for the general public and the decision-makers. One historian defined his version of socialism as fair-weather socialism, one which tried to make capitalism work better for the people, rather than trying to create a revolution of some sort. For example, in 1924, he came out against strikes, saying that they were against the spirit of socialism. He increased unemployment benefits at a time when unemployment was a significant issue for the country and was only about to get worse. During his second term in office, he improved working conditions for coal miners and tackled a growing issue for the country, what to do with its ageing housing stock left over from the 19th century. The result was called the slum clearances. Perhaps we should remember him as a man who led the Labour Party into office for the first time, a move that was centuries in the making. MacDonald also exemplifies the difficulties of that development and that this Whig interpretation of history, this progress, was by no means inevitable and came with many missteps along the way. Thank you for listening to this episode of Random UK Prime Minister of the Week. If you liked this episode, please do give it a like. Many of the issues in this episode really get to the heart of politics, so please do remember that this is just one version, many other versions of this history are available, and I like to think that these episodes just serve as a starting point so you can do your own research and fine-tune the details. Above all, thank you for listening. This was Random UK Prime Minister of the Week, number 39, Ramsay MacDonald. The highs and the lows of political life. Goodbye.